Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, good morning everybody. Welcome to Trinity Community Church. How many of you know that your God is not a mamsy-pamsy God? There's nothing that He can't do. So do me a favor, don't shape God in your image. Let God be God and let Him bring you up to where He is. Can we do that? As mankind, sometimes we love to bring God down to where we are, and that's a shame because then he ceases to be God. It's good to see everybody. Man, I am, it's good to be back in the saddle. I've been out for about a month from teaching, so today's sermon may be three hours. I don't know. (laughs) Charles Stanley, Dr. Charles Stanley said this. He says, you know you're a true teacher when you don't have, you never have enough time to say everything. If you're always trying to figure out what to say, that ain't your gift. He said, but if your gift is like, man, what do I leave out? What do I leave out? Every week I'm like, Lord, what do I leave out? What do I leave out? So this week I didn't leave anything out. I just put it all in the bucket. Uh, Robin and I, we were, have been gone. We had an opportunity to go with Convoy of Hope. Um, they're an organization that is absolutely incredible. They, uh, they do disaster relief here in the United States, and they feed children all throughout the world, and they do stuff. So they invited us to go on this uh, uh, a cruise with them where they kind of explain what they do, and they strategize for their world stuff. So this is us uh, uh, looking at a glacier in the background, so we got to do some really cool things. So while we were with them at sea, we were in sessions with them, and while we were, you know, doing stuff outside of, of you know, where we were in ports, we could go see stuff. How many of you have ever been on a cruise before? So basically what you do is you eat. We would eat breakfast and think about what we were going to eat lunch. I've never eaten so much in my life. We had first, second, third breakfast. We'd have dinner, then we'd have second dinner. And I, you know what I'm talking about, right? they got these places that are open all the time, and all you do is eat, and it's weird stuff. I learned I really like Indian food. I also learned this. Indian food is not best consumed at 1030 at night. The curry gets to where it needs to go in a hurry, if you know what I mean. So we did all kind of stuff. It was a cool trip. Um, we did some excursions. Robin and I, we came to this conclusion. In our minds, we're still in our 20s. But our bodies say, no, chunky Greek guy, you're in, your, you're in your 50s. So we did all these excursions that, you know, probably young people should do, but we didn't. We just did it together. So one of the things that we did was we did this. Uh, they did a Jeep safari. We were in Ketchikan. And then it was followed up with a, with a canoe trip. Uh, 20-person canoes. Have you ever been in a canoe before? 20 people in one canoe is terrifying. But that's just what we did. You can see Rob is ready to go there. We're getting ready to do our stuff. So, so we get in this canoe, and we're waiting in line, and there's 20 of us. And we're from all over the world. It's not just the United States. We're from all over the world. And, and, and the seats are, you got most of them are three-person seats. And then you have a couple two-person seats. You have a one-person seat. So I'm standing there with my wife. I've got my paddle. Everybody's got a paddle. And they go to load us in, and, and the lady comes up to Robin and I, and, and she goes, okay, you guys ready to get in? And right behind us, a couple steps in, the lady goes, no, no, that's our seat. And she pushes us to the back. Now, I noticed right away she had an accent. She had a French accent. And I learned later on in our trip that she is French-Canadian. It was at that moment I decided I do not like French-Canadian people. Wee <laughs> wee, oui, oui. ha ha, Right? So she kicked me out of line, so Robin goes into third, so they put me all the way in the back. So I'm in the back, and in front of me, I've got two Canadian couples, and we're there, and we're, 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 we're paddling, and they have a, a, a strict thing you're supposed to do. You paddle across this water, and it's, it's dicey, you could be anything in there. You've got to get to the side, so the lady's like, now listen, this is how you're going to paddle, this is what you're going to do. We're a team. Everybody's a team. Team, you, everybody's got to do their thing. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. So I'm getting ready, and I'm paddling, and, I'm, and I notice this. The Canadians aren't doing nothing. They're taking selfies. This is, you can see, look, there they are right there. There's, two, there's four sets of them. Now, you can't see me because, you know, you know, I'm in the back paddling. That's what I'm doing. And the lady's nice behind me. She's very nice. She's like, now, everybody, uh, paddles in the water. Everybody get your paddles in the water. And you know what they did? And then not only did they do that, they, they complained. The lady goes, oh, how long is it going to be till we get there? Huh? So I did this. I'm going to confess to you. This is what I did. Every once in a while, I'd paddle, and I'd splash him and go, oh, I'm sorry. Did I get that on your iPhone 14 Max? My bad. So we got to the place we're going. We do our little nature thing. They don't take part in any of this stuff. We get back in the canoe. We're in the same place, and I'm paddling my heart out because they're like, you got to paddle. we got to get to this place where you guys are going to, you're going to miss the boat. They didn't care. 
They just didn't care. But I cared. So I'm paddling my little butt, you know, my butt off. And I realized something. I made this, this, this discovery. Even though we were heading toward the same destination, we definitely had different mindsets on how we were getting there. Our focus was a little different. Now, even though we heard the instructor, you know, my life was put into the hands of this 16-year-old girl from Ketchikan, who has all, by the way, too, she's also seen a Sasquatch, which I'm totally cool about. Even though we heard the same words, how we interpreted those words and what we did with those words were completely different. I knew that I was part of the team. I knew I was part of the destination. But let's just be real. There were some people that were on the boat that were just along for the ride. And they were kind of self-focused instead of all of us focused. And I started to think about this. Isn't that kind of like the way it is for us as believers sometimes? We've all been given the same mandate. Go into all the world and make, all, and make disciples of all nations. We've all been given the same invitation to come to, to know Jesus and to find out who he is and to give our lives for him. But sometimes we forget that the goal for us is not just to get to heaven. It's not just an internal goal. Our goal is to get to heaven and to take as many people as possible with us. Sometimes we forget the back end. The only reason you're here this morning it's because somebody reached beyond themselves and shared the gospel with you. And how often do we not pass that along to others? How often do we act like French Canadians? We, oui, we. Oui. If you're in France, or, or Canada, I should say, and you're watching this, I'm kidding, it's a joke, it's just a shtick. Right? So today, when we talk about getting to our destination, we ask this question, Lord, is it just about you and I getting to where we need to go? Or is there a purpose and a plan for our pathway into what you have us do? What are you doing to bring people to the kingdom? What are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing to reveal the kingdom to the planet? That's the goal for us as believers. Not just to get in ourselves, but to accomplish the Great Commission. To take on the work of Christ. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, we help to reconcile people back to God. It's not just about you, beloved. It's not just about keeping your feet dry and your feet out of the fire. We have a job to do. Amen? Can you kind of tell where today's going? You're like, Pastor TJ, we just want you to be funny. If you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 25. I will be. But I promise you today will be impactful if you allow the Holy Spirit to mess with you. What a dangerous song that is. I'll make room for you to do whatever you want to. Yikes. But that's the heart of God for us today. Uh, if you have our app, you get all my notes. If you are, have the U version of the Bible, if you look for events, you'll see Trinity. Save all those things. This is a very familiar passage, but sometimes we, we, we miss the understanding of what it means. Matthew 5 or excuse me, Matthew 25, 14 and 15 says this. This is Jesus teaching about what the kingdom of heaven is. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. Now, one thing real quick, just to understand. There is nothing greater about the person that has five bags or the person that has two bags or the person that has one bag of silver. All of us have been given abilities, and God expects you to live up to the abilities that he gave you. Does that make sense? But that's not, we don't use that to rank people. We don't do that. God doesn't do that, and we don't do that either. So know this. This is our first stop in understanding, you know, what our destination is as believers as we continue our little theme on our road trip. All of us have been given something. If you're here today and you don't think you have anything, that's wrong. That's the enemy. All of you have been given something from God. When God created you, he didn't leave you empty-handed. He created us all with gifting and with purpose. Now, what does that mean? That means this. God gave you the gifts that he gave you for a reason. God does nothing without purpose in mind. He's intentional. He's an intentional God. So this is what happens. When you follow Christ... When you decide to give your heart to Christ, he awakens those gifts, and he gives it its complete purpose. He shows you the purpose of those things. Now, know this. 
You have gifts before you know God. But before you know God, those gifts, you know all those gifts that you have? You know who they serve? You. They serve yourself. So for us as believers, we have to always be reminded to not allow our gifts to serve us selfishly. So in Jesus, all of the gifts that God gave you, they serve a greater purpose. Now, some of those gifts are common to everybody. Some of the gifts that we have are unique, and they're extraordinary, and they're built just for you or just for me. So what are some of the common gifts that we have that God's given everybody? Well, the first common gift that all of us have is life. Do you know that life itself is a gift? Do you know that life that you complain about is a gift? How many of you are getting older and you've got aches and pains? Do you know how many people on the planet have never had the privilege of growing old enough to experience those aches and pains? And they would trade our aches and pains for more breaths on this planet with their family and their friends and the people that they love. Growing old is a privilege that people don't get sometimes. Life is a gift from God. Genesis 2.7 says this, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed uh, the life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. All of us exist because of God's divine breath. He breathes into all of us. And that very breath that he gives us, all of us that are alive, whether you follow Christ or not, have received that divine gift of life. But still we complain. How many of you struggle sometimes with life? You look at your life and you're like, man, I wish it was different. I wish my lot was different. Does anybody know any chronic complainers? Does anybody live with a chronic complainer? Do not look at your husband or your wife. You know? How many of you know every once in a while children can be complainers? They complain over things that we never had back in 1976. I was talking to Ben today. Ben told me this today. This tr- you, he told me this today. <laughs> he said he believed before 2000, the world was in black and white. He thought the 90s were so far. How many of you remember the 90s very well? So after service, we're going to beat on Ben in the back. Sometimes we struggle to understand the value of how precious and how valuable life really is. How many of you are here today, and if I gave you a million dollars, you would say life would be better? Some of you are like, is this a trick question, Pastor CJ? How many of you would like a check for a million dollars? Do you think your life would be better, right? What if I gave you a check for $10 million? Would life be better? I'd take $10 million, right? What if that $10 million came with this stipulation? You wouldn't wake up tomorrow. Do you still think the $10 million would make your life better? So you're telling me that your life is worth $10 million. From today to tomorrow, it's worth $10 million, right? Well, then why don't you live like it? Why don't you get up and smile every day instead of complaining about your soggy Wheaties? If your life's more than 10 million, if it's worth more than $10 million, live like it. Enjoy life. Celebrate. As believers, we should be the greatest people of joy on the planet. The last thing we need is more religious curmudgeons. Some of you are like, I kind of, you know, I kind of associate with that. Don't be a curmudgeon. Life is a gift. Here's another gift that we've all been offered, salvation. You know that salvation is offered to all. That's what we believe in our church. Jesus said that he came, and his heart is that none would perish. Salvation is a gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take, uh, you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done, so none of us can boast about it. It's a gift from God given to everybody to receive. It's up to you to receive it or not. Now, what's interesting when it comes to salvation for us in the church is all of us come through the door of belief. But sometimes once we get saved, we, we shift from belief into striving. And we think if we can just do more good things, God will love us just a little bit more. That's not how unconditional love works. You can't earn your way into heaven. You simply believe and you start your journey. You start your path. Transformation is a work of the Spirit. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. There's a part for you to play in this. Discipleship is not easy. The root word of discipleship is what? discipline. You got to put the time in, but you don't put the time in to get saved. You put the time in because God has transformed your heart and you want to be like him. 
Our job is this, to follow the voice of the Spirit. To intake the Word. To allow the Holy Spirit to transform you. To move you from fear into health. Spiritual health. Why? Healthy things grow. Healthy plants, God created them to produce fruit. Healthy believers produce fruit. Not just the fruit of the Spirit, but people. Produce fruit. Go get them. The mark of the early church, the mark of the believers, people of the way, were people that multiplied. So more people come to the kingdom. For some of you here, you've been following Christ for a long time, and you've never shared the gospel with anybody. Beloved, that's not, that's not what God called us to do. He called us to preach the word. He called us to, to, to go out into all the world and make disciples. Not just Pastor TJ. He didn't say, God, I called Pastor TJ to go into all the world and make disciples. And we'd have a great time, and we'd eat very well. That's us. That's for all of us. Salvation is a gift for everybody. All of us have been given that gift, the opportunity. Here's another gift for everybody, the Holy Spirit. All of us have been given the gift, the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is not just for intergalactic Christians. It's for all of us. Amen. Did you hear me? The Holy Spirit isn't just for the intergalactic people on the stage and for the weird ones. It's for all of us. The Holy Spirit's for all of us. He empowers the life of a believer. Some of you have nominal faith and you're just holding on by the skin of your teeth. Do you know why? Allow yourself to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He changes everything. Acts 2.1 says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers are meeting together in one place. Kind of like us now. Some of you are like, I'm getting nervous, Pastor TJ. Don't get nervous. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I know what you're thinking. Pastor TJ, this is weird. I know. I didn't write the book. I just read it. I just teach it. Know this, beloved. This is part of our faith. All of us. Every Bible in town that's being preached today in Bible-believing churches has Acts 2, 1 through 4 in it. You know, you're, how many of you, you grew up Catholic? Do you know this is in there? It is. Greek Orthodox. It's in. What was the spaghetti? Was it Prego? Or ragu is in there, right? It is. Then drop down to 17. This is Peter's understanding. This is what he says, guys. He says, this Holy Spirit's going on. I know you don't understand it, but God prepared us for this. And he said this. In the last days, God says, I'll pour my spirit upon all people. Everybody say all. You know what that word in Greek all means? Panta. You know what it means? All. You ready for something crazy? That doesn't just say believers, does it? What does it say? All. That means everybody on this planet could be affected by the Holy Spirit. Everybody. It says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. How many old guys, when's the last time you had a good dream? What do we usually think? I'm on the back nine of life. I'm done. That all goes to the young people now. And what is God saying about these dreams? God will put inspiration in the hearts of even the old men and the old women to say, we still got stuff to get done. All that's a work of the Holy Spirit. When we say no to the Holy Spirit, we quench him. And we stop what God wants to do on the planet. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. You and I are a part of the all people. Know this, the Holy Spirit is not optional in the life of a believer. He is essential. He is essential to empowering our faith, not just for you, but to expand the kingdom. That's the goal, to expand the kingdom. Now, have you ever wondered this? Have you ever wondered why the Holy Spirit is such a firestorm when it comes to faith? Have you ever wondered why people get nervous when we talk about the Holy Spirit? Some of you are sitting today, Pastor, I'm nervous when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered why we're nervous? You know why we're nervous about it? Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't just come to help you grow from the inside out. That's part of what he does. But he empowers you so that God can use you in unique and in powerful ways. And that means this. If you want to have the Holy Spirit come into your life, you may not be in control. What does the Holy Spirit do in the life of a believer? He changes the narrative of faith. 
Our faith was never built to be about our safety and our comfort. What did Tertullian say? He said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. When the Holy Spirit compels you, you can't help but go. You can't help but weep. You can't help but share your faith. Beloved, we need to be a Holy Spirit-empowered church. That's why, like, when we do family fest and we do our egg hunt, you don't hear me chirping from the stage, do you? I have people who say, Pastor, you should be up there telling people they got to get this. No, I don't do that. What do we do? We empower 200 of our volunteers to be fully empowered with the power of the Holy Spirit to share their faith, to share the gospel. If God speaks to your heart and he makes some divine connections, you go for it. It's not about me. It's about God using all of us to expand the kingdom. All of us have been given the Holy Spirit for a purpose. The Holy Spirit's given to all of us. So those are part of the common gifts. Now, there's other gifts that are specific to you. Things that God is giving you that make you unique. Now, some of you have gifts that are really cool, and some of you have gifts that are cool in, in your eyes, and you don't know why God gave you the gift, and you've got to fit it in. I'm going to invite Tyler to come join me. Is that a good setup, Ty? So, so Tyler... Let me give you a little, 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 you know, Tyler's got a lot of talents, a lot of gifting. We, we appreciate all your giftings, Tyler. But, but there's, there's some specific <clears throat> things that you may not know about. Now, now Tyler, um, as a young kid, Tyler was, uh, describe yourself as a young kid. It's probably this tall, as tall as this thing, as wide as this. <laughs> but I had these wire glasses on. Uh, so some would say nerdy and husky. Yep. <laughs> and at that time unathletic. That's true. So That's true. So, so Tyler, uh, that was his ugly duckling stage. How many of you ever had an ugly duckling <clears throat> stage? So how many of you are still in the ugly duckling? You're praying for God to get you out of it. God, I want to be a swan, right? <laughs> so Tyler discovered in this, in this thing that he, he possessed a special, a special talent, a special gift. Tell him a little bit about the, 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 the gift that you possess. So in the third grade, back in the day, in gym class, if you remember, uh, we did more than just gym things. We we learned how to dance, which was really really weird. But nothing the, awkward about that, right? Nothing awkward <laughs> about a bunch of third graders trying to dance and stuff. Uh, but the one that caught my eye was we learned how to juggle. And you, st- yeah, Ooh. was that you, McKenna? Did you say that? Um, yeah. She, apparently, that was a big thing to get McKenna to. Well, so it. well, so before this. I primed her to make sure that, yeah. <laughs> but so in gym class, they taught you with scarves. And so uh, now imagine, like I had these glasses on, I was like this big and this <laughs> short, and, 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 and I'm doing this. <laughs> and the scarves are falling slowly to the earth. But I learned how to juggle, and I thought like, that is my gift <laughs> to the world. So, so you learned how to juggle. By the way, do you have your balls? You I sure do. So you learned how to juggle. Yep. There you go. So, so you learned how to juggle. Yeah. So then what did you do with this newfound gift? So these are obviously balls. Uh, this is not what I started with. I started with scarves. And in the third grade, I thought I was so good at it that I literally was like, I'm going to go in the talent show. So they had an audition, and I go in the room. Now, again, it's with scarves, so they're floating. They're just like <laughs> floating down. And I stand in front of the person I'm doing the scarves, and I'm like, <laughs> and, and I grab them, I go, and the room is dead silent, and they look at me and go, okay. <laughs> and I go, okay. So I leave. They say that I made the talent show. Woo! They said I made it. So I show up the night of the talent show with my scarves, because I had personal ones then at that point. <laughs> and, and, they monogrammed? They have yes. like and so I go in there to start, <laughs> to start juggling, and they said, look, we're going to put you right at the doors, okay? The precursor, okay? Make sure people are getting a taste, a, a little taste. You don't want to give it all, but just a little taste. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like the appetizer, the main course. I'm all of it. This is great. So I started juggling the scarves, and people are walking past me. I'm like, hello, I'm Tyler, and this is my talent. I'm like, uh-huh, you'll see more later. And this is all I could do was right here. But I was, was like, you'll see it later. Don't worry. So I start going, and then lo and behold, the doors behind me close. And I am in the lobby still of the school juggling scarves while the talent show is happening. 
I'm peering into the window. Because the doors are locked. Because the, doors, the are doors are closed and they're locked and I'm peering. I'm, hold, hold, I'm holding my scars and I'm like, I'm not in the show. I'm just a part of the show. And then, and then I stopped juggling for, for forever. Now, I started to like figure out how to really juggle. And then I was like, well now, this is my villain arc. So now, because they did me dirty, I'm going to learn how to juggle so well that everybody that, that, that didn't let me be in the talent show are going to regret it one day. <laughs> and that's where I am now. <laughs> Give it up for Tyler. Thank you. So Tyler juggles for parties, bar mitzvahs, all kind of stuff. So here's the point. All of us have been given special talents and abilities. Now, some of those talents and abilities are brought out in the Word, and some aren't, because some things weren't invented yet. You can connect them to dots. You know, we have all kinds of stuff now. Just so you know, you may be sitting here in the church. You say, well, man, I don't have anything to offer the church. There's all kinds of stuff that you do that we need. For example, the technology that it takes to do what we do on a Sunday morning is ridiculous. And you may not have 150,000 scriptures memorized, but you may know how to use a computer. You may not, you may know how to run a camera. The stuff that Dawson and, and Kevin and Paul and, and Mindy and all these guys do in Amory, the stuff they do is actually, it's remarkable. And Ryan, we need you to sign up for the team. You know, we have a baking thing out there. Cassandra, every time she bakes, it's like the heavens open up. Ah! Right? So there's stuff that we can do. So there's all these other gifts. But this is what, what, what Paul talks about as far as some of the specific gifts. This is Romans 12. He says this. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That means that you've been given a gift to do something well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. You're telling me that the prophecy is a gift. It is. The Bible talks about it. 1 Corinthians 14 is a whole chapter devoted to one thing, the prophetic. Well, pastor, I, I don't believe in that. Then you know what you're telling me? You don't believe in the Word. You know, you can't pick and choose what you like. This is not a menu at Applebee's. It's just in there. Now, you may not flow in that gift. If you don't flow in the gift, that's fine. But we don't disparage the gift. You know, my wife, she dances. You don't want to see this guy dance. I do this thing, you know, you know I do, it's called dumb dancing. Have you ever seen that? You just flail your body around like you're having a seizure, basically, is what it is. And people are like, I think he's dancing, or somebody should get medical help, right? I don't know what's going on. It says, so if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Verse 7, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. Some of you have the gift to serve others. That could be with, you know, serving behind the scenes, making sure everybody's comfortable, whatever that is, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. Teaching is a gift. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Flow in your gift. If it's giving, uh, give generously. There are some people, again, you have your tithes and your offerings. You know, you have tithes, which is what God requires, and your offerings is what God requests. Some people have extraordinary ability to give. Not everybody's built like that. There's a minimum, but there's something that's over there. We have probably a half a dozen people in our church that are just money, just as whatever. It's like, we're just going to give it. It's funny. I have people say, Pastor, I want to be that person. You know, if I could win the lottery, I would give God his 10%, maybe even 11. Right? And here's my answer to you. Well, if you're not taking care of God now, why would he give you more? If you're not faithful with the little, why would he give you much? Because that makes sense, Right? You know, with your children. You guys don't do any of your chores at all, but, you know, I bought you a car instead, you know, just because, you know, because now I think you're going to get it. Now that I'm going to give you these keys. Don't be that person, right? If God's given you the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. That means this. God called you to lead, lead. Grow in your gift. Hone it. Sharpen it. I read books all the time. I'm in constant rotations of books, and in my rotation, I usually read three or four books at a time, and always in one of those rotations is a book on leadership. Why? God has called me to lead. I want to be the best leader I can possibly be. Don't just shoot from the hip. You know what that's called? Being lazy. Don't be lazy. Hone your gift. It says, if I have a gift for showing kindness to others, I do it gladly. And look at verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to what's good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. All of us have a gift. God has given all of us something unique to do. Now, next month, we're gonna, the whole thing is talking about gifts. If we're going to talk about it. We'll take some spiritual gift tests so you can figure out specifically what you do. So there's physical gifts. 
that we have. There's also supernatural gifts. There's spiritual gifts. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this. There's different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There's different types of service, but we all serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Now look at verse 7. Now this is important. A spiritual gift is given to each. Everybody say each. How many of you know you're part of the each? Say, I'm an each. <laughs> Sounds like it could be Italian. I'm an eachy, right? <laughs> hey, opa. That could be Greek, right? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So you hear this clearly. Each of us has been given a gift, and the gift is not self-serving. That spiritual gift is so that you can help other people. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability of wise advice. Wisdom is a gift of the Spirit. Do you know that? That's somebody that's wise beyond their years. Wisdom is not knowledge. Isn't it funny? We used to think that what kept us as a society from advancing and moving forward was the ability for people to access knowledge. And what have we found out? The opposite is true. Everybody has Google, and we're probably struggling now more than we ever had in the history of mankind. Right? It's more than knowledge. Wisdom is understanding what God wants to do in his heart in every situation. Wisdom is plugging into God, right? There's a gift of wisdom. There are people that, that possess that gift. To another, this, uh, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. What is that? That's when you're praying with people. It's when you're talking with people, and God gives you insight into the situation, something that you don't know. I have people say, Pastor, I just, God can never use me like that. He can if you let him. I have that, that God operates that gift in me all the time when I'm praying with people. How, how does it happen? You're just open to it. I've told you guys the story of the young guy I was talking to that had tattoos all over the place. And God told me in a moment why he had that one main tattoo. And, and me talking to him broke him. He started to cry. It was about his son that he lost. I don't know that. How am I supposed to know that? There's no names. There's no nothing on there. Only him and God and a few people knew it. I didn't know him. That was the catalyst that opened the door for him to receive faith. You know what that is? It's a gift of the Spirit. Can you imagine if all of us flowed in that? What couldn't God do? That person at work that's sad. I know why you're sad. You know, God told this to me. And you pray with them, and, they, and they just, they're undone. That's what the gift is for. Not just for us to just give words of knowledge to each other. It's to expand the kingdom. Are you still with me? Are you freaking out yet? Don't freak out. Verse 10. And he gives one person the power to perform miracles. What's a miracle? I don't know. Could be anything. Could be the multiplication of food. You know that stuff still happens today? You want to hear about, about miracles? Talk to our missionaries. They give you miracles all the time. I knew one guy, this is our church in, in Illinois. He was, the, uh, he was the, uh, the president of Princeton Theological Seminary, the, the, the theological part of Princeton. He was a counselor, he was a doctor, he was a psychiatrist. They decided one day that they were going to get out turkeys for Thanksgiving. They had six turkeys in their fridge. Six. And his wife says, what are you going to do? He says, well, whoever comes in, just give them a turkey. So they came in, somebody came in, they just go in the freezer, come to the freezer, give them a turkey. They gave out 25 turkeys. They started with six. To this day, he's like, I don't know where the turkeys came from. This guy's way smarter than me. He'd use words that I didn't understand. He'd say, look it up. i say, I can't even spell it to look it up. Can you give me a hint? Right? Miracles could still happen. Do you know that you don't have a miracle without a problem? And you know that you don't have a miracle unless you have somebody that has enough faith to step into the problem empowered by the Holy Spirit. God's always looking for vessels for miracles. So step out. Do it. Are you still with me? Pastor, you're not freaked out yet, right? We're doing fine. It's just in the Word. I'm just preaching the Word, right? Uh, he gives uh, another person the ability to prophesy. What is prophesying? That's when you speak into people's hearts. Now, again, don't forget this. Prophecy now is different than it was in the Old Testament. Prophecy now, we're, 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 in, a, we're, we're in, a, in the new covenant now. It's through the blood of Christ. So we don't prophesy doom and gloom. Prophecy is meant to encourage and to build up and to lift up now. So when you prophesy, you're speaking God's heart for the person and you're building them up. You're speaking to them the heart of God. Because sometimes, how many of you know that you get so messed up in your own stuff, you can't hear God clearly? Has anybody ever been there? I've been there. We're so consumed with our world, God has to break through the clouds. You know, prophecy is foretelling and foretelling. Foretelling is this. He's telling you about the future. Foretelling, he's speaking into what you're supposed to become. 
That's why the prophetic is powerful. That's why we believe in it. We operate in it. Amen. I heard that thing drop. Oh, no. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. What do you do in a world where you can't tell what truth is anymore? The pictures you see can be manipulated. The videos you see can be manipulated. The audio can be manipulated. How do you lock on to truth? You know how you do that? Discernment. The Holy Spirit leading you. Discernment. That's a spiritual gift. Discernment. Now, again, we don't, we don't go on witch hunts with pitchforks and torches. There it is. Get them. We don't do that. For us as believers, we are quiet. We're powerful. We are confident. We operate when the Holy Spirit says go. When the, when the Father says do this, we do that. The Father doesn't speak it. We just we wait. That's what Jesus did. Discernment's a huge gift of the Spirit, right? Um, still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. I have people ask me all the time, Pastor T, why did God choose to use that? Ready for this? I have no idea. I'm not God. When you get to heaven, ask him. I, I assume that line in heaven is going to be pretty long, so pack a lunch. All I know is this. It's real. It's real. I've seen it operate in churches. I've seen people give messages in tongues, and it was actually the language of another person in there, like halfway across the world, that nobody knew. I've also seen it displayed in personal stuff. I have. It's real. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, so don't, don't shy from it. Lean into it. Is it scary? Yeah. Can it be weird? Yeah. What do Christians do that can't be weird? You're, we have communion once a month. You know what we're, we're celebrating? The blood and the body of Christ. A little weird. Right? But we do it. Why? Because God asked us to. Right? It says, uh, verse 11, it's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Here's the point. All of us have been given something. We all have gifts. The big question is this, what are you doing with the gifts that God gave you? Are you sitting on your hands with them or are you using them to expand the kingdom? Let me encourage you, get in the game. Do something. Go out there, grab a card. Work with the children. If you've got a tetanus shot and a strong constitution, get down there. Come on a Friday night. We've got 100 teenagers here about every Friday night. Come, pour into the next generation. Let's keep going. Look at Matthew 25, 16. It says, The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. Then the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. That takes us to our second part of the destination, which is this. What you do with your gift is up to you. God will never dictate what, he'll ask you what to do stuff with the gift, but what you do with your gift is up to you. So what have you done with what you've been given? So when I read the Bible, do you know it's okay to ask questions? That means that you're curious. You're inquisitive. So I ask myself this question, why, you know, the master gave all this silver, all these, these talents to these different people, why did they all do what they did what they did with their, with their little bag of money? And this is the conclusion, as I pray, this is what I came up with. This is what I, I think popped in my head. The different responses to the assignment were because of this. Each servant responded to the master the way that they knew the master. It all had to do with, with intimacy. It all came down to knowing the heart of the master. The guy with five talents, with five bags of silver, understood that the heart of the master was to see multiplication with the gifts that he gave. So he did what he could to multiply this stuff. Now, he took a risk, but somehow he knew the master so well, he understood this. The master would rather have him step out and try than to do nothing, than to have his gift be self-serving. God is, um, he is pleased when we understand this. When we start to love the things that he loves, when we start to look at things through his eyes, not ours, when he becomes the rudder for our lives, He's pleased with those things. So anytime it comes to living for us, we have uh, two ways to steer our boats. You can either live for God or you can live for yourself. Your compass can point to the things of God or they can point to yourself. So what you do with the things that God is giving you 
reveals where your heart's treasure really lies. It also reveals this. Who's the real author of your faith? You or God? Each of those servants, you know, they did what they did with the gifts they received. The, what they did with those things reflected not just the relationship they had with the master, but it also reflected really what their faith was rooted in. Was it rooted to take care of their own needs? Or was it rooted really to serve the master? So for us, serving God and expanding the kingdom is always our compass. It's what it points to. Now, know this. That's not easy. It's not easy to always deny yourself. There's a constant battle between us, the heart of God and the heart of who we are. There's a constant battle to do what we want to do and what God wants from us. So how do you defeat those things? How do you stay on target with God? You have to stay tender. You have to live a life that constantly seeks after God. God is the great tenderizer of our heart. The more disconnected you are from him, the harder your heart becomes. Your heart reverts back to that heart of stone. First Chronicles 16, 11 says this. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. That means this. You should be seeking God's presence just not on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We dwell with him. Proverbs eight seventeen says this. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Can I be real with you? Some of you don't know God because you don't have any desire to know him. Training camp starting for all the football teams. And I don't know if you're like me. I am, my Twitter feed is full of Pittsburgh Steeler hope. Kenny Pickett throwing touchdowns. And in my mind, I see him dancing, holding Super Bowl trophies over his head. And, and I have to fight this every morning. I got to fight being consumed with seeing how they're doing. Why? Because I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. What you love, you'll pursue. Now, if, if you've struggled and you've lost that connection with God, I got good, good news for you. You could find that again. But know this, what you love, you'll pursue. This is Psalm 25, 14, and this is cool. It says, only those who stand in awe of the eternal will have intimacy with him. What does that mean? That means when you're like God, you are amazing. When you stand in that, in that place, the reward we get is intimacy, knowing the heart of the Father. It says, and he'll reveal his covenant to them. So how you live your life, what you do with what you have, reflects how deeply you really know him. Let's finish this up. Look at verse 19. It says, after a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account on how they used his money. The servant whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. Look at verse 21. The master is full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Celebrate good times. There you go. <laughs> the kids got it. Uh, these guys, they weren't even born. They think the world was black and white before 2000. Oldsters, oh, we got to get better. It's color now. Thank you. Verse 22. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling small amounts, so I'll give you many more responsibilities. Come, let's celebrate together. Now look at verse 24. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Look at verse 26. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops, I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Now what's interesting is this. The, the servant imposed onto the master what he thought the master was. Do you know anybody that believes that God is cruel? Believes that God is selfish? Believes that God is egotistical? And what, is, what does the master say? If this is what you really believed, you still failed. You didn't even honor what this figment is in your mind. Look at verse 28. Then he says, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. Why did he give it to the one with 10 bags of silver? Because he did exactly what God asked him to do with what he had. He did. It says, to those who use well what they're given, even more will be given to them. 
and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless service out into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That takes us to the last point of our destination. You live a life well lived, and someday all of us will take our last breath here. This week we had uh, two, we had one funeral, we have another funeral in two weeks. Two people that died way before their time, one in, in her late 40s and one in his early 60s. Both of them stood before the Lord and they gave an account with what they had been given. God said, what did you do with, I gave, with what I gave you? That's just what they did. All of us will stand in that place someday. Sometimes we forget that our life is more than just the 70, 80, 90 years that we spend here on the planet. Your life was created for eternal impact. Someday, all of us will transition from this world into the next. You'll stand before God, and He'll greet us, and He'll ask you what you did with what He gave you. What you do with what you've been given is a big deal to God. Our goal as believers is not to squeak into eternity by the skin of our teeth. The goal for us as believers is to live our lives in such a way that when we see the eyes of our Savior, He embraces us and He says, well done. You dumped the tank. You did what I asked you to do. Well done. Again, it's the heart of God that we don't just get in ourselves, but we bring as many people as possible with us. Sometimes we forget, beloved, our faith is not just about us. You know, here in America, we have a very personal faith. We have a very internal faith. But faith around the world, the Eastern understanding of what faith is, is much more communal. It's different. It's not just about what God wants to do in you. Full faith is what God wants to do in you and through you to touch others. So, you know, we, um, I got a lot of good stories from the Convoy of Pope trips. You'll hear all of them later. So we're on this big boat, and we're eating, and I'm conscious of this. Every time I go to a buffet, the boat gets heavier. <laughs> and I do, you know, we're on the ship, and, and, and I don't know why, one night, there's a four-hour time difference. So I would be sending pictures back to my brother. My brother's like, stop sending me pictures at 2 in the morning. And I'm like, oh, it's only 10 o'clock. Oh, it's four hours. So one night, I'm Googling, I don't know, you know, I was just curious, how many cruise ships have gone down? You know, in the last, you know, just forever. Because, you know, you just want to know. And by the way, in case you're, you're curious, there were 20 that have gone down. And the most recent ship that, that, that has gone down has been 2012, which is, it was color. Uh, but it was, it, it, how many of you know 2012 wasn't that long ago? You would think we would have fixed this by now, but we didn't fix this. It went down. So you can't talk about and think about, you know, boats going down without thinking about the Titanic. All of us are familiar with the story of the Titanic, right? It wasn't black and white. It's in 1997. 1997. Ben. I love Ben. So when they built the Titanic, you know, the Titanic in some respects was the arrogance of humanity. One of the, one of the papers tagged it as being a ship that was unsinkable. So it was on its main voyage. You all know the story of that. On April 14th, my birthday, not 1912, by the way, the Titanic hit an iceberg in the North Atlantic, and it sank. And with its sinking, 1,500 passengers lost their lives, 1,500 passengers. Now, the loss was tragic, but some of it could have been avoided. One of the reasons that the loss of life was so high was that people didn't realize the gravity of the situation. When they hit the iceberg, Many people still thought that the boat was unsinkable, even when the crew was like, we're going down, we're in danger, we got to get off this thing. They thought so much that, you know, they had this own narrative in their mind of what the boat was, that, that, that they, it made it tough for the crew to persuade these people to get into the lifeboats. The lifeboats were set to be for women and children first, and then the men, but they couldn't convince enough women and children to get into these lifeboats because they didn't want to leave the warmth of the boat, even though the boat was going down. They created their own narrative of the whole situation. Now, because of this, of the 20 lifeboats that the Titanic carried, 18 of them were launched into the waters, and many of them were only carried to half of their capacities. Did you know that? It's crazy. And this is even worse. As people languished in the water after the Titanic sunk, 
only two of the 18 lifeboats went back to pick up survivors. 16 boats stayed away and cared for themselves. They never returned. They just stayed away because they were afraid that they would either be overwhelmed by the survivors or they could possibly hit debris and they would sink. So they stayed separated. They heard the screams and the cries of people and they didn't respond. They were focused on their own survival. That's all that they did. They were given this precious gift of a lifeboat, but they failed to understand that the boat just wasn't for them. It was for everybody that was perishing in the water. Beloved, we have been given the incredible gift of faith, salvation. The gift isn't just for you. The longer we live internal, the longer we push away all the people that we deem as dirty and unloved and unworthy, the more we separate ourselves from them, we are no different than those in the lifeboats when the Titanic was going down. We hear the screams. We have people that are going down and they don't even understand. They, they don't even have the right narrative of the situation. The more we stay separated, the more their blood is on our hands. What do you do with those cries? What do you do with the gifts you've been given? Salvation, the Spirit, your unique gifts. God gave you all of them for a reason to engage. As a church, we exist. We pursue God's presence because in His presence is transformation. And we pursue the lost people. Why? Because lost people matter to God, so they matter to us. We dump the tank to see lost people come home. What are you doing with what you have? Don't be deaf to their cries. Bow your heads. I want you to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Just talk to Him real quick. All of us have been given unique gifts and opportunities. One of the greatest gifts that you've been given is time. How do you invest your time, your talent, your treasure? Talk to the Holy Spirit. Ask Him. Say, Spirit, am I fully engaged in my purpose? with the gifts you've given me? Or do I need to make some shifts? Do I need to change? And listen to what the Spirit tells you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.